All right, here we go. So what this is, what this is, this is very exciting. I'm about to introduce a new segment that we're adding into the Light the Fight podcast where we get done recording a podcast and then David just dishes like this major nugget and I'm like, why didn't you say that? And then we're all like stressed about the time. But so what's going to happen is... The after party is going to about to begin. It's a little bit of an after party, but what he's what he just did was he first of all said something about some kind of listening. What did you say? Interpretive listening. Okay, so this is short and sweet. Short. I don't know if we can promise that. Sweet. I'm sure we can deliver on that. <laughs> okay, so here's the situation. Somebody. By the way, you are listening to Light the Fight podcast. In case you're wondering which podcast like, you clicked on. What in the world phone. is this? I've just sat down and David says something like, so what's going on? Or uh, you probably make a statement, surely. And I sitting on this couch and, you know, when I very first met with David, he was like, you know, that that couch caused a lot of people to be allergic. And so they usually cry. Emotional allergies. <laughs> Emotional allergies on this couch. Anyway, so I just, you know, unload. And David just told this little secret. So our last episode, we just got done talking about the situation with your son, Connor. And so I go to the bathroom, come back. And so I just started to drop some stuff on the Heidi. So that's where you're picking up our conversation from. Right. Okay. So this is where you say, talk about unpacking and listening and putting in your own emotions. So explain that again. Um, <laughs> it was a little bit clearer than that, but <laughs> no. So like, um, so we were just talking about Connor and I just, I was basically giving you a compliment for what you said in the last podcast, what you did just the other night, how, and how that helped him. He had the secret. He didn't want to admit the secret, but once he did admit the secret, brought in a lot of light and then you're able to have a release of all that tension, shame, insecurities, frustration, hurt, pain, whatever it was. And then you guys went upstairs and had ice cream. And I said, congratulations, because what you just did is what I do when I meet with him. So he'll come into my office. So Heidi will be waiting in the lobby and uh, he'll come into my office and, you know, he's smiling and I can tell he really wants to impress me because he's a 10 year old boy and I'm an older guy. He wants to tell me uh, something cool that he did that week. And so, you know, we get in some banter. And then basically what happens is I start doing what Heidi just did and I started to get on his page and started telling him some specific things um, that I was vibing from him, that I was getting from him. And then he would start to tell me some frustrations and anger that he has. And after he tells me the frustration and anger, I'm sitting there trying to, I have that look, I'm like, I'm trying to solve like a Rubik's Cube puzzle. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, so what you're telling me is this kid said this, and then you said that, and then it made you really mad, and you're so frustrated, and so upset, and then you got to go and and like study math. He's like, right? Like that's horrible. Like, that's horrible. That's like the double negative right there. And so we start talking, and then all of a sudden, when we get to that point where he realizes I'm an ally, I'm on his team, I'm speaking the same language, he can take a deep breath, and then now we can take a step forward. Tell you what, you know who'd really like to hear that? Your mom. I bet you sh just to hear you say like now that you figured out what's going on because until he came to my office he could only have his emotions come out sideways slamming things crying breaking like he could never really get to the reason because he just didn't really feel like someone understood where he was coming from 
And so talking about the importance about being on the same page, um, it's a type of reflective listening, which is what I was talking about. Reflective listening is only a counseling tool. And it's, it's funny because it was a cheesy counseling tool because the way people did it was really cheesy. Like they'd say, so what I hear you saying is, and you'd have a couple do it. And the husband like, so what I hear you saying is, and then he'd be like, you're saying I'm a horrible husband. You don't love me. And the wife's like, no, that's not what I said. And then, <laughs> then they'd go back and forth. And over time, I figured out that the concept of reflective listening did have some, some important things to it, only because if you're putting it in a statement form and you're genuinely trying to see where someone else is coming from, it helps them to have peace because they're not alone. Someone is there in that specific spot at that specific moment feeling what they're feeling or at least can relate to them. And then at that point, then I'd bring Heidi in. So now I'm getting back to the scenario. Then I bring Heidi in. And then her son Connor would then, after he already had a practice run talking to me about it, then he could talk to Heidi about it. And this is what I do for a lot of people. I'm your tackling dummy. I'm the person that you cannot fail at communicating with me because I'm just... I listen every communicate. Well, but here's what moms do. When the teenager or so, when a kid comes home and says, this is what happened, then mom just automatically goes into, well, honey, you've got to be kind first. Kill them with kindness. You know, like mom immediately comes in with this like mom knowledge and mom wisdom that is like, all right, you're right, mom. I don't know why I wasn't just kind first. Well, yes. two, two major mistakes that moms and dads, because what you're saying is not exclusive to moms, um, that uh, two major mistakes that they make is one, that you have to come up with a solution right away. Um, you don't have to come up with a solution right away. And two, a huge mistake is that, the mistake you can make is that your teenager actually wants you to come up with a solution for them. As a... As a mom well, we for think a that's child. our job. I mean, come on. Well, because you we know what? It, it was your job, and then you got fired. <laughs> because when you're a, a mom with a little kid, my son, we call him Meatloaf Boy, because he goes, Mom, Meatloaf, I want it now. Ah! He's like, ah, he just yells things across the room, right? So, what's my wife do? She gets up, what's up, son? Boom, 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 gets him what he needs, you know? He's only three, so it's not like, you know, we can, we're, we're enabling him a little bit, not too much, though. And so what it gets down to is that her job every day, all day, his whole entire existence, he cries, she brings him a bottle. He does this, he needs this. He poops, he changes diapers. Like, there's just a natural cause and effect, right? Boom, boom, back and forth, back and forth. And then they become preteens and adolescents. They are still going to say, Mom, meatloaf, but they don't want you to cook it for them. They just want to vent it out at someone. They want to say it to someone. So the biggest mistake parents can make is thinking that A, you have to come up with a solution, and B, you have to come up with a solution right away. Because someone that's on your team, someone that's an ally, someone that has your back, is not about solutions for you right away. They're all about showing you that they're on your side first, getting your back, and then they'll go through with you whatever you have to go through as much as they possibly can. Like let's say, you know, you're, you're a teenager and you're struggling because you, you wanna ask this girl on a date and you're talking to your close friend about it and you don't know how to ask her the dance and if someone's gonna ask her and as a good friend, you're, you know, you're just like, hey, you know, yeah, I think she likes you, you know, let me go find out, let me do some due diligence, let's, let me text a couple people, you come back, you're trying to help your friend out. 
Then, all right, confirmation. She wants to go out with you. Now you got to get up the courage to go out. Then you help your friend come up with some answers. The whole entire time, it's your friend's job to do that. You just are listening, supporting, and doing what you can. Parents have a hard time making that transition from going from savior, making sure their kids don't die, to giving them some trust, respect, some freedom, and allowing them to experience these things largely on their own, not entirely on their own, but largely on their own. Friends have a better job, of, like they have a better way to do that, which is why at teenagers, part of the reason why is teenagers' loyalty towards their friends become extremely strong if they're not getting that support from their families. Well, and I think just to add, sometimes maybe mom, as, as a mom, I didn't know the answer. And so I try to like yeah. go to like some pre-packaged answer, which is, you know, well, kill them with kindness or <clears throat> be the bigger person or just don't engage. <laughs> you know, like well, oddly enough, those can all be the right answers for the scenario. But one, if it comes out of your mouth and it comes out of your mouth before they've had a chance to get to the place where they want to create a solution, then not only did you miss, you missed horribly because you said some cheesy, corny things that any parents can say to their teenager and they've heard it before. So they just they, they dismiss it doesn't count or it can upset them because they're not coming to you at that particular point for a solution. But oddly enough, if you show that supportive nature, if you're just showing like, oh man, like that sucks, like gosh dang, like, whew, like man, yeah. And if you don't have an answer and you're supporting them and then you say, honestly, I don't know exactly what you do. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I have some ideas. I mean, have you thought about it? Do you have some ideas that, that you've been thinking about that, that might be a way you want to handle this? And if they say, well, I just want to go there and tell them how I feel, don't say, don't say that. Let them say it. How many times do we tell our best friend we're going to do something that we actually never follow through on because it's out of anger? Like, I'm going to tell my boss this. I'm going to tell this person this. And most of the time, we don't go to those extremes, but man, it feels good to say we're going to. Yeah. We all want to feel like we're brave and courageous, but when it comes down to it, a lot of times we realize we could lose a relationship, we could lose a job, or our emotions just subside and they mellow out a little bit to a safer place. So if your teenager is emotional, that's okay. If they're venting, that's okay. If you don't have the answers, that's okay. And if you're slow to get, let's say you do have the answers, but you're slow to give them response and you're pretending to not have the answers, that's really good because it forces them to actually create some ideas and be part of the partnership. You don't want them to be a student and you be the teacher because the days they wanted you to teach them ended as soon as they became a teenager. You want to be someone that's taking the same class with them because you are actually taking the same class with them. You're figuring out how to help them get through their teenage years just like they're figuring out how to get through their teenage years. And all the information you had with your older kids, sometimes all that information is not going to be relative for this kid. And, and maybe it can come out like after, after you have that moment and, you know, you, your suggestion was, well, I have some ideas, you know, maybe ask permission, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you want to hear what, what I think, you know, rather than just like going straight into the lecture mode, which we love moms just, moms yeah, and dads just love that. Ideas spark ideas. I say it all the time. Connection creates innovation. If you're connecting with someone, the chances that they're going to have better ideas are magnified. So if you say, I have an idea. Now, this may not work for you. My friend told me about this one, assuming it was something you heard your friend did. And you give a short little, just kind of test it out there. 
and see how they respond to it. And if it's respond good, continue going. But a lot of parents make this mistake like, well, here's what you should do. And they give advice and they go on for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes. You lost them in 30 seconds, but you were trying to like be like an authority and share this information. You weren't paying attention to whether they're in the space to hear it or not. So what Heidi said is a very good one. I use this all the time. There's not a week that goes by where I don't use this with the teenager when they're in a stressful moment to, even though I have a great relationship with them, even though they trust me, I will stop and go, okay, I have some thoughts, but first I need to ask you a couple questions. Is there right if I ask you a question? Asking permission to ask a question or asking a permission to share an idea gives them the chance to accept it. And even if they accept it and they're not really gonna like the idea, it's at least gonna fall on soft ears. They're gonna hear it out and guess what's gonna happen? Your, eye, your thought may trigger and spark a thought for them. Like I said, connect, connection creates innovation. So if you're sharing an idea and they're listening to it and they go, no, that wouldn't work, but you know what? That reminds me, last time I said this to this person, this did work. That's all it is. We're just helping them find enough breadcrumbs to get back to past experiences where they had wins versus going down that rabbit hole thinking about all the things that could go bad. Uh, you know, this reminds me of, and I wanted this to just be like super short, but I, I got to share Remember, this. Remember, I didn't promise short. Heidi <laughs> promised short. I promised sweet and sincere. She promised short. I'm Which I should know better She's because not. it's never going to happen. But so I had a situation, and this was also just this week. And this time it was Capri. And Capri um, has like a group of friends. And so, you know, exactly what's happening is sometimes different girls in the group are getting together and Capri's not invited. And she's seen it maybe, well, there's this music app that they like to make musicallys in, right? Okay. So it's not really like, on Instagram or Facebook, it's but it's a social media way that she s saw it or, you know, sh there was a FaceTime and she could tell that it was in somebody's house, but they told it was in somebody else's house. And they're just trying to protect her. Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't malicious, but it hurt her feelings. Yeah. And she acted Everyone's like... Everyone's done it. Everyone's tried to cover it up and everyone's been on both sides of it. Right. And so she acted like she's fine. She's like, I don't even care. You know, and kind of did that holding back the tears. I don't even care anymore. I, you know, it's fine. And uh, so then she comes back, back downstairs about 45 minutes later, and it is late, like past her bedtime. And she's like, I can't sleep because I just was thinking about this. And what if they hate me? And like all those thoughts that came right in through her head. And, and um, I listened to her. And... I didn't do the unpacking. I forgot about that. I got to remember that. That's good. That's good. Um, but I said to her, man, I think that would hurt my feelings too. That would, that would really bother me. Um, and I said, I don't even know what to tell you to do, Capri, because I didn't have this problem. When my friends, when I was your age, my friends got together, I had no idea, you know, and I said, you know, I think we should, maybe tomorrow, let's talk to Quincy about this. Because I know that she's had, this, is, this has been her life, you know. So 
fast forward to the next morning and we were actually playing cards together and I said you know Quincy remember when you were dealing with this situation and those girls kept they'd get together and you saw it and 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 Quincy's like she goes you know I just figured out that they weren't really out there having more fun than I was I was also having fun doing what I was doing and usually they would be like oh yeah we it would have been more fun if you would have been there and she said I just realized that just because it looked like they were having so much more fun it didn't mean that it was better than what I was doing and then and then we just went on playing the cards like it, it it wasn't like she was trying to lecture. It she was it was just like this Sharing conversation. Ideas yeah. Her experience. And I didn't like out Capri. I didn't create like and I actually really wanted to know and, and I'm sure that still goes on with her. And I thought that that was a pretty big statement for her. But I loved that that she taught me something. And that she could be an example for Capri, because what Quincy does is way more interesting and important than what I do for Capri. You know, Capri does not miss a beat of what she sees Quincy do. Yeah, the older sister influence is much closer to her own life experience. You're so far away from her life experience. You're a mom, you got bills to pay. Like, she doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, so just to review. When you can make that connection and someone shares with you like the series of events that have happened and, and sometimes you get those days where it's like this happened and then this happened and then I got a bloody nose and you know, whatever. Take that minute to like repeat back and then think to yourself and let them see you processing it and be like, yeah, that is a rough day. Man, I'm sorry. And, and then don't just dive in with canned responses or lectures, even though, man, you want to. And you know, basically, if they would just, you know, kill them with kindness. <laughs> well, and one, one important thing to, to remember, and this is something that you've kind of alluded to, is that... As parents, because we're put in an authoritative situation where we're supposed to have information, we're supposed to have a lot of life experience, sometimes our kids are going to have unrealistic expectations of us to have all the answers. And so we want to meet those expectations to have all the answers. Problem is, us having all the answers for their life is not the answer for them to have a better life than ours. For them to have a better life than ours, they have to be communicating, connecting with us, and we have to be the people that help them build those answers. Our kids could do everything that we tell them to do. It could work out perfectly and they'd be a bunch of kids that have perfect behaviors with no self-confidence. They did not have to develop their own self-confidence. They would just do what they're told and it worked out. But now every single stressful, difficult situation that they start to realize because their age, I can't rely upon my parents, then they start to become very fearful Where's my confidence at? Like, wh- wh- where did I build this bridge? And so with this situation with your daughter, you know, there's a lot of positives from this. But, you know, with parents, 
sometimes, and this is, I'm going to beat up the saying, so I'm not going to put it in the saying form, but sometimes wise people appear as if they're naive. And what I mean by that is to be intelligent, to have a lot of knowledge, does not necessarily mean that a person knows how to distribute the knowledge of other people, doesn't know how to share ideas. A lot of really smart people can make you feel really stupid. And they can be, you know, especially a parent, they can be such an expert on so many things and have so many questions that sometimes we're fearful of their responses. And we don't really, we don't really see them as a person that can help us learn or help us with ideas. We see them as a person that can tell us what to do or they can point out our flaws. So I had heard this a long time ago and I had experienced it firsthand with a mentor of mine a long, long time ago. I was mad at him because I went to him one time and he used to be a, a psychologist, like he was retired. And I went to him and I said, hey, listen, here's my scenario, here's my situation. And I was venting and frustrated. Uh, and at the very end of it, I said like 50 things. I said, so what do I do? Now, I'm looking at it now, like in his mind, he's like, okay, which one of those 50 questions do you want me to answer? Because <laughs> it wasn't like, I was just like, ah, venting. Now you tell me what to do because I know you're smart. And he was like, he thought about it. He unpacked it. He took the highlights or the lowlights from my scenario and said, so this happened, and this happened, you're worried about this, did, 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 did. And he did a couple things. One, he helped me kind of retrace how much information I just threw out there so I could see that, man, that's a whole lot. That's unrealistic. And two, it gave him some time to gather his thoughts, his composure, and to present himself as a very naive person that had no idea what to do. So it was all part of the experience that I was, be, that I was experiencing with him. And then when he was done unpacking all the stuff, he looked at me and he's like, David, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss. Like, much like what you said, Heidi's like, man, this is a different situation because when I went to school, this is how it was. And this, 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 and that. He said, so, I don't know. I was like, I'm kind of curious. Like, wh what are your thoughts? Now that I vented, he wanted to know what was my rational, logical mind thinking. Which is some validation that yeah. you're, that this is a real problem. The fact you're that right. he had no answer for it, I was like, thank you because it's really complex. But what he also did for me, which is the biggest takeaway from this for me, was he taught me that I have more answers inside of me. I just got to look a little bit deeper. Most teenagers that come to me, I ask them when I'm in the question point, I'll ask them a question and they'll say, It'll be a question that no one's ever asked them before. They've never thought of that. And before they even think of it, they have a habitual response. Uh, I don't know. I just sit there. I rephrase a little bit and they go, I don't know. Then if it happens a third time, I rephrase it again. And they say, well, I don't know. And I said, you mind if I weigh in? And you mind if I say something? They go, what? I said, is it possible that it's not that you don't know. You just don't know what to say or how to say it because this is making you think about a whole lot of stuff that you'd prefer just not have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis or something along that nature. Never had a teenager argue with me one time about that. They're like, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess I do know. I just, and, just, and even with the, the hardest, maybe I got to comment at a couple different angles, but no one... 
argues that you have no information about a subject that's causing you the greatest stress in your life. You think about it all day long. You're freaked out about it. Well, then they start to go, well, here's what I do know. I know this kid, they don't like me, so maybe the other kids didn't want me around, or maybe the other kids were okay with me being around, but this kid said, oh, let's not invite him. I go, okay, what else do you know? And then they start talking about, so the less I knew, it created an opportunity for him to learn more. The analogy that I use for it, I've never went up to a homeless person and asked them for financial advice. You don't go to people who aren't experts at that and ask them for advice. But sometimes we're an expert in the making. We just need someone to help us realize that we can come up with information because we've had enough life experiences, even as a teenager. If a teenagers would put their intense emotions and could put their hormones and their phone on pause for a minute, they'd realize that they actually have learned a lot. So we got to give them that opportunity by us knowing less so they can learn more. Right. That's Yeah, which is super And you did that by just deferring to your daughter instead of you being the expert. Because let's face it, you're not the expert on that. And and I think, and that's okay. And that's what I was just gonna say. I think that it's okay not to to have an answer and to admit that you don't. Well, have that's an that's a lot less damaging than coming up with a cheesy cookie cutter answer or an answer that they've heard a ton of times before or something that's actually ridiculous bad advice. All those are a lot worse than just saying, I don't know. So you can directly not know. Or you can play the the like the wise people pretend to be naive and go, gosh, I'm not sure. Like kind of downplay how much experience you have to see if they can actually go in their access, access their memory banks. Maybe they've had some valuable experience that they could draw from in this situation. With when I counsel people or coach people, in the beginning, it's like I put I got to put the ball in the tee for them so they can easily get on base, get some hits. As we go on, I I forget everything I've ever taught them. By the way, I'm really good at playing dumb. So convincing. Now he tells me. So convincing. <laughs> well, it's true that in certain cases I am dumb, but it's, it's, I get really good at not knowing so other people can know. Too many people see me as a, the one-stop shop, be-all. I've done a miracle for someone. And I came up with the perfect answer for them, so now I'm like their 911 perfect answer. And as we go along, I know less and I defer to them as being the expert in their own life, not me. Now, you're a good counselor, a good coach, a good mentor, whatever it is, with sports or whatever it is, is if you can teach people how to do it for themselves. So. And since you're a do-it-yourself product maker, yeah, that's why you've picked up on this so quickly. That it's is only taking you a couple, right. two years? Two it's only years. taking me like a hundred tries. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the I want to close this out kind of with, you know, some of these are a little bit simplistic-y. Like, you know, I'm talking about an 11-year-old, which maybe is far cry from an, a 17, 18-year-old or an adult child. I know some of you who are listening, you, I mean, adult children is like, you thought you were afraid of teenagers, right? But this tool... Um, of getting on the same page, giving them a chance to share. You listen. What you got again? This I got, got a word. Re. 
reflective listening. What'd you call it? Well, the, the, it's it's an old style that I've tweaked. It's it's reflective listening. Okay, but you a work lot of people, on like a new uh, yeah, rhyme. Yeah. Well, a lot of people just call it. A lot of people just just unpacking what people said, just kind of like and it you know just gives you a chance to think about it, connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. This I think it can be used in so so many applications, whether it's a friend, whether it's an adult. And, and and by the way, a little ad additive too, if you want to unpack and and tell people something that they just said to you that's really important to them, it is totally okay to be animated and to interrupt a person. Here's here's the here's the golden rule: you're allowed to interrupt me anytime you want if you're agreeing with me and telling me how right I am. <laughs> right. Please interrupt that, me. That's an excellent point. So if you, if someone's saying I'm so frustrated, you're like, wait a second. You're frustrated because they disrespected you like that? So, yes, you can uh -huh. interrupt at any point you want. Gotcha. Carry on and let the rant keep on going. By the way, those rants and those expressions of that emotions, fueling, kind I of tell that you what, talking. people will decompress so much intense emotion in such a short period of time if you can do that for them. If you can't do that for them, now it's a two-hour conversation instead of a 20-minute conversation. Interesting. Hmm. Because you'll ask them question, well, why would you get mad at that? I mean, it sounds like they're trying to help you. You don't understand. Then they have to go off side topic and defend themselves from you and then still get to vent at the same time. And that's, you know, you, you might as well just, you know, just clear out the rest of your night. Which That's another thing that moms love and dads. Maybe dads more. Devil's advocate, man. Love that. So maybe not a good time for devil's advocate. No, no. Yeah. Total team players. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, this was quality. This was a quality, um, unplanned episode. But thank you, David, for revealing these very, you know, s secrets of inside David's office. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you want something to to catchy to take away with that one, it's pretend to know less so they can learn more. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna practice that. Maybe I'll have some good uh, experiences to share <laughs> <laughs> next time. All right. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.